Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm delighted that we're welcoming Robert Scoble to the chat today. Robert is a technology evangelist and journalist and has been talking about the benefits and perils of new technology, mainly the, the benefits and the, the, you know, the amazing things that we're going to see in the future for as long as I can remember being engaged in tech. Um, first met Robert over a decade ago uh, on a tech tour where um, we were having discussions about privacy and the implications of privacy in tech and sharing and the, the fairly new then social media uh, phenomenon that we've been riding ever since. Um, quite a lot has happened in the intervening years, but uh, it finally managed to persuade you to come on the show. So thank you very much, Robert. Can you, thank uh, you. elaborate a bit more? Because you've been doing some exciting stuff, I know. Oh, yeah. Well, since the world of... I, th I think uh, I met you when I worked at Microsoft in 2003 through six. And Microsoft had a big R&D lab, in, or still does, in Cambridge. Um, and I came and visited. Man, yeah, so much has happened. I mean, we're, we now have decent video conferencing, right? And so we can yes. do the Zoom call. You know, back then, <laughs> you know, YouTube was just getting started with crappy little small videos, you know, on a web page, right? I mean, so much has happened in 15 years. Um, I, I'm a futurist, technologist, journalist. Uh, you know, I, I had the first ride in the first Tesla with Elon Musk. That was, you know, shortly after I met with you guys. Uh, Siri was launched in my son's bedroom. Uh, I was early to see Instagram and Flipboard and Cloudera and many enterprise and consumer companies. And I've been around the world giving speeches about technology in Silicon Valley and, and all that. And I've written four books. So the last book that I wrote was about spatial computing and about uh, virtual and augmented reality and robots and autonomous cars and virtual beings that can also move around in 3D space. We're, we're about to go through a paradigm shift of computing where we don't just hold a computer uh, a flat screen anymore, or or touch or you know use a, a flat screen like in my Tesla I have a, a computer that's a flat screen right. Soon I'm going to be using glasses to see computing on everything, and uh, and we're going to be able to move through that space and uh, touch things and interact with things in a much different way than we can on a phone or on an iPad or on a laptop or on a desktop machine. So we're about to go through a real interesting paradigm shift and that, that's what I wrote, just wrote, wrote about with Irina Cronin. So. Yeah, and, 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 and I know that the, there are rumors about various different smart glasses coming out. Um, oh, but yeah. That, that, you know, are going to be potentially transformative in the way that we, you know, view wearable computing. Because yeah. the first experience of wearable computing was really, you know, Google Glass a few years ago. It, it didn't get that sort of social acceptance that, that maybe was hoped for. Uh, uh, but actually, in the accessibility community, we were we were quite keen uh to 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 see that acceptance because we see the potential of uh augmented reality for helping people with yeah. disabilities and and actually some well, of the 
the users of, amongst our sort of audience are are, are, are and, probably still the, the the people that are using these kind of tools right now. And and those are uh, th- those were almost five years ago now, right? It's yeah. it's amazing amazing how how long it takes to to get these computers going. But you, you look at a like a pair of uh, of uh, um, uh, AirPods, right? AirPods have more compute inside them than an iPhone 4 did, right, just a few years ago. So you can see the the computing world, thanks to Moore's Law, is shrinking down and making more capable uh, uh, products uh, for a cheaper price, right? And and that's about to hit. The, the Google Glass, it, in a way, it failed because it was so early and it just didn't do all that much for consumers right the camera wasn't as good as a gopro camera the microphones weren't that good it didn't have a good siri or a good ai to talk to and understand you it didn't do real augmented reality where it's gonna uh, lay you know things on top of the physical world and that's all about to change right um we're we're seeing pieces of it in R and D labs, but we're starting to see real glasses that can do real augmented reality, not like that, with uh, lidars that are highly detailed, and with AI that really is starting to understand this at this point and has huge efforts behind it. I mean, Amazon alone has ten thousand people working on Alexa, right? That's a huge effort, and you're starting to see. Uh, those efforts pay off in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we observe a certain narrative from companies uh, when they talk about VR, Google Ad One, about Google Glass. Uh, yeah. Do you feel that is the right narrative to reach the audiences and to reach you no know, everyone, you no know, someone that barely knows how to use the phone? How can that yeah. relate? Is there a a gap between the, what they are saying and what should be said in order to facilitate adoption. Yeah, there, there's a lot of confusion about why Google Glass failed and m- many people just don't don't realize what actually went down there. I wore mine for a year and most people blame the camera and and I know it's not the camera. It, it was actually, there's a new social contract problem where we evolved over millions of years to look into each other's eyes to see if you're trustworthy or see if you're paying attention to me. And, and we have a social contract that happens because of that. And here was a new screen in front, in between us and it confused people. It, it, it distracted people and they didn't know how to explain that. So they blame the camera because that's the first thing they saw that they could actually talk about. And I have proof of this because I, I was at Coachella with, uh, uh, and two guys in front of me said, I need to get away from the Google Glass guys. I wasn't actually wearing it. There was two guys behind me who had it on. And I grabbed the two guys in front of me and I said, "What? why does that piss you off? He goes, I don't know. It might be the camera. And I go, come on. There's everybody around you is holding an iPhone with a camera on it recording. Right. And it's being professionally recorded on TV. <laughs> so that's not the camera. What else is there? Why does that why did that make you nervous? Why did you want to get away from that? 
And it was this social contract problem. Where one guy said said it just makes me feel uneasy because he he might be a cop with information in his eye, and I don't have the same info. I don't know what he's seeing. I don't know what he's looking at. I don't know if he's doing face recognition on me. I, you go into all these dystopian fears, right? And part of it's media control, but part of it is just how we evolved over over millions of years to look into each other's eyes. So that leads into a whole narrative problem, right? And I think I think uh, when Apple comes out with its glasses, they're going to come out with a much different narrative. They're not going to jump people out of a. Uh, when I was in the front row when when uh, Google announced Google Glass and they jumped uh, uh, performers out of a, a blimp and had them uh, skydive down and then you know do some tricks on bicycles and you know all while wearing the glasses and live streaming it, which set this whole expectation around the camera. It just wasn't true. My, you know, my my Google Glass. If I tried to run the camera, would only last half an hour. Right? The battery wasn't that good, and and the the quality wasn't very good. Uh, you know, putting a GoPro on on the side of my head was way better uh, in terms of video quality than the little camera and this little glass was. So the narrative was bad from the start, and they shouldn't have come out that way. They should have come out with Hey, this is this is a new kind of product for a very specific thing. It's very expensive. It doesn't do a whole lot, but the things it did were were pretty damn amazing. I mean, like like you said, if you, if you're somebody who can't see very well, and you have a little camera that's helping you live your life, or listening to you, or telling you directions, that's a huge uh, improvement in your life, right? And we're about to see that kind of stuff really big because uh like like apple is coming out in a couple months with in the or next month in the new iphone with a new lidar on the back right so now you start uh thinking about all the developers who are going to build things to to build a complete 3d model of your house right in your phone and the ai now is getting so good and you know this from computer vision work that's being done in cars, like I'm sitting in my Tesla, right? And my Tesla can see a, an orange cone on the freeway 200 meters away, right? Well, that that technology is coming to the phone. So now it, it can tell you where your Cheerios are or where your keys are in your house or uh, all sorts of different things, right? Uh, where's your pills? Where, where's your Where's your glasses? So now you can start building something for somebody who's blind, right? To really understand their house in 3D and, and where things are, right? And so when Apple comes out with its glasses in a year or two or three, the LiDAR is going to be the same that's coming out on the phone and the AI is going to be next level, right? And it's going to tell you all sorts of stuff about the world. And it's going to have a really good voice recognition system because Siri is fairly capable. It's not perfect yet, for sure, but it's getting a lot better, and it will be a lot better in the glasses because there's going to be a microphone right next to your mouth, and it's going to know what you're looking at, which is real key because there's going to be a laser looking at your eye, knowing where you're looking in the world, and it's going to know, it's going to have that that lidar, which is three hundred thousand points of data that can be directed around to 
know what you're looking at. So if you look at a product and ask it how many calories or can I buy 10 of these on Amazon, it'll go, oh, yeah, that's a hint bottle. And it'll look up on Amazon and find you an answer and give you an answer right in front of you, right? Wow, that, that's amazing. I, I have a um, a question that I, I was talking to someone at Google and I brought up smart the Google Smart Glasses because it, it really was helpful for the community of people with disabilities yeah. and people like me that are over a certain age. We want to age in place and be independent. And, yeah. and as I'm older, even though I actually have 20-20 vision, um, I no longer can see very well at all because of my age, partially my age yeah. Yeah. Um, and dry eye syndrome, blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm curious yeah. from your perspective. Um, so I was talking about Google Glasses and an article that I was doing. And one of my friends at Google came back and said, Deborah, don't play, don't play Google. It's our, it's our biggest failure. We're very embarrassed by it. And, and it's just something we don't want to talk about. And I thought, I, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. Now, this was just from Google employees perspective. But I think that, as you said, I, that's such an interesting point that you made of sort of the social contract we have. Because yeah. I. I, um, I know my husband always struggled and my daughter did too, interestingly enough with Down syndrome, but they were both bad. My husband had a real bad traumatic brain injury as a child, but they both were really bad about looking people in the eyes. And I would always say, you got to look people in the eyes so they know they're looking at you, not taking into account vision impairment and all that. But yeah. so it's, it's like society learns a lot from Google. Yeah, I have an autistic Good. son, and he can't look in your look in people's eyes. Right? That's a that's a right. marker he of autism. He's not listening. Right. Yeah. He he doesn't it doesn't mean he's not listening. And so, of course, we are about to we are doing redoing social contracts right now. Uh, I meet people. I had some plumbing work done, and seven men came into my house and. Okay, I know I'm not supposed to shake their hands. I know I'm supposed to, but you, the the normal social contracts aren't there. So I just wonder, though, if we should all, instead of you know, um, people thinking the Google Glass is a failure, wasn't that something that we needed to walk so we could learn this stuff? It seems like it's just yeah. a part of what we have to do is we're learning to use these technologies. I I totally agree with you, and and I'm sad that they still view it that uh, as a failure because it it really did try to introduce us to this new paradigm of of wearing a computer on your face, right? And that is a rough, it's a rough thing to convince people to wear something new on their face. They, they people are very particular about what they put on their face, right? They, they have to look at it a long time. And this is this is sort of why I think Apple has to do it, right? Google doesn't have that kind of social empathy with people. It just doesn't. You know, um they don't launch good products. I'm not, you know, you you look at Google's hit history over the last 15 years, how many products have they launched that are that have caught, you know? They've failed over and over on Google Buzz and Google Reader and Google uh you know and, and Google Plus social stuff, right? And social stuff is hard to do for Google. They're not a very empathetic company. They're an advertising company, right? And the search and the utilitarian company. And that that 
they will have their day in glasses because um, the the AI that Google ha- Google has the best AI in the business, right? When I talk to Alexa, it's stupid; it doesn't understand me very well, right? When I talk to Google Assistant, it understands me almost always, and it almost always gives me a better answer than Siri or Alexa or or like Tesla has has one of these voice recognition systems or Facebook has has one in the portal. And so Google will have its day again and, and they shouldn't have looked at it as a failure. You know, Silicon Valley tries things over and over again and, until the until we figure it out and fi- fix all the problems with it. You know, it, it general magic came before the cell phone did, right? And you know, we have many, many examples of that where, where we tried things over and over again until Moore's Law flipped enough times to make that technology possible and interesting to people, right? And right. Then, and we should celebrate that. That's part of yeah. us moving forward. It shouldn't yeah. be seen as failure. But I, but I, um, the time the is coming home. again. The, the time is coming yeah. again because this, the computers have now shrunk. In five years, they've shrunk quite a bit. Right? We went from 13 nanometer silicon, silicon uh, chips to five now, right? And that means that the number of transistors on a chip has more than doubled in five years. And that means things have gotten smaller and cheaper to make and that and more capable. And while that's happened, all the infrastructure's gotten better. I mean, my house has fiber line in it now. Right, I didn't have fiber line five years ago, and I didn't have Wi-Fi six in my house. LTE didn't work very reliably. Now it's very reliable in in so in California. I mean, I drove all the way from LA to San Francisco watching a live concert on my while my Tesla was self-driving. I didn't have a self-driving car five years ago, right? <laughs> you know, and this thing is starting to really self-drive, and. Uh, it, it didn't drop the whole way. It didn't used to do that five years ago, right? So we now have a different world coming at us. And COVID has also completely changed everybody's uh, belief about technology. All my school teachers are using Zoom now. That was, if you told me January 1st that my school would be on Zoom, I would have been like, what are you talking about? How, how is that going to happen? Well, no. My kids in a half an hour are going to be on Zoom calls or having school, right? And so everything has changed this year. And that has led to to a plowed field. I mean, Silicon Valley is a former farm, right? So we plowed the field and gotten it ready for this next paradigm of moving toward computers on on not just our face because we're wearing them on our wrist apple next year next week is going to announce a new watch right with more sensors and these new airpods have really gotten much better and soon they're going to be spatial as well so you're going to be able to hear sound from different places with these airpods you know there's a reason they put such such uh high computer in these little uh uh, headphones to do new kinds of ca- things with them, right? So, a lot is going to change in the next two two years. Yeah. So, Robert, as we speak, probably there's you know a good number of companies that are organizing events, conferences, webinars. You know, this was a boom. You know, uh, uh, after we end up all being confined at, at home, 
But yeah. although everyone is struggling to get attention in those platforms, to have engagement between the speakers and the audience, and sometimes even engagement within the audience, within the audience itself. How do you yeah. see VR and AR addressing this problem? Because this is something that everyone is struggling with. Yeah. But let's stop let's stop and not talk about VR and AR for a second. My my wife works at VMware on the conference team. So last year they had 22,000 people at at their conference in in Las Vegas or San Francisco. San Francisco was last year. And this year they already have 75,000 people signed up and the conference hasn't even happened yet. It's coming in in September later this month, a couple of weeks. And so they're doing it mostly on Zoom and video and and uh, having some chats, doing stuff like what we're doing right here, right? Because most people don't have VR yet, right? And they just couldn't um, figure out how to buy enough headsets for everybody or, or whatever. It, it just wasn't ready yet to go to VR. Now... Soon, we're going to see more improvements in VR. Uh, Facebook next week is going to announce a new VR headset, which is going to be lighter. And it's uh, $100 less than it was. And it uh, has better cameras, better hand tracking, better microphones, better audio, uh, more GPU in it so it can do better visuality, right? Much better product for less money, right? 300 bucks instead of 400 bucks, And it does more and it's more comfortable. So that starts giving you a sense of, okay, in two years, there's going to be another one, which is going to be like closer to a pair of glasses, right? And and when the glasses come, that's when this world really changes. But there has been some, some uh, conferences that have used VR already. Burning Man is one that just happened this week. And I think Burning Man's effort is in history is going to be a real key uh, weekend to look back on and say, man, that was real important. That that changed how everybody everybody looked at events and how to do uh, virtualized things. So VR gives you some some real benefits uh, over Zoom calls, right? One, you're immersed in the media. I'm looking at you on a little phone, right? And you're three inches by two inches. And I barely have an idea of, you know, what it feels like to be in the room with you. That's not very immersive. If if I had you in VR and you're an avatar, I can actually touch you like I would in the real life. I can shake your hand or high five you, or I can even pass you virtual things. I can throw a ball at you. I can shoot you, right? And that, that gives you uh, um, two things. One, it gives you presence which means I feel like I'm with you in real world. And it gives you immersion, which means you feel like you're in the world. You're in, in a, a, a game or you're in a movie set, right? At Burning Man, there was some um, camps that they had built where the media um, uh, was on a dome. And it was like being in this um, uh Exploratorium in San Francisco, where everything wraps all the way around you, and it was really beautiful and really immersive. And it was something that you you would have to go to a movie theater, like an IMAX theater, to experience that kind of immersion, right? Where you feel like you're uh, in a movie set, and that's just the start, right? 
uh, Burning Man. So Burning Man, uh, uh, one of the guys who went to Burning Man uh, in 2014, Greg Edwards, uh, when he went, um, he he took scans, 3D scans of a lot of the pieces of art that was on on the desert floor. They call it the playa, right? When you go to real Burning Man, it's in a desert in Nevada. There's 60,000 people out there and it's laid out like a, like a, you know, a fan and you have uh, art pieces all through it, you know, temples and different kinds of things that people have created. And um, it's big. It would take you maybe an hour to walk all the way from one end to another. Right. Well, he took, the scans and and he even hired a helicopter to take uh, pictures uh, overhead. Now you can do it with a drone, but he took all of those into virtual reality. So he re- recreated a 3D representation of Burning Man in VR. So when you're in your VR headset, you can actually walk around his 3D scans of everything, and they're laid out like in real Burning Man. It takes you an hour to walk across it, right? Move it across it with your little controllers. And um, then they invited all of the artists that went to real Burning Man because they couldn't hold Burning Man this year, right? They, they canceled it and they said, we're doing it virtually. We're doing a metaverse. And they invited them into Microsoft's program called Altspace VR, which is where Greg put all this art into. And each one of them built little camps. Like one, one guy built one that looked like you were inside a, a snow cave. Right. Another guy built uh, a whole maze in a rock formation. And it was a lot of fun to go through that with other people. You you go through it with 20 or 30 other people and you try to figure out which which way to go to to get to the end. If you went the wrong way, you would fall through uh, some quicksand, right? Virtual quicksand and you would respawn to the beginning. It was a lot of fun. And there was other camps that had beautiful uh, temples built and you went in the temple and you heard a concert or a speech. Like I heard uh, Baratunde give a speech at one of these temples. And it was really amazing. And you could be there with other people. It felt like you were walking next to somebody else, right? So you you got that kind of uh, presence, which we're all so hungry for right now, right? We we can't go to conferences. And we can't go to, uh, you know, uh, even restaurants and meet with our friends anymore. So we're really hungry for that kind of presence. And in VR, you get it. Um, but to me, it's just the start of uh, of something else, right? Every conference in five years is going to do a virtual thing like this. And you're going to use your glasses to go to virtual conferences and virtual conferences are far more inclusive than physical ones, right? I, cool. I mean, you know, it, it, I've talked about this for many years. Uh, even VMware, right, uh, uh, a corporate conference, it costs, I don't know, if you're coming from Africa, it costs 2000 for the flight. And then you have to stay for a week uh, in San Francisco. That's $450 a night, or it was. And then you have dinners to go to and, you know, and other things. And, and you want to put a couple of days of vacation on there, right? It turns into four or $5,000 to go to a conference like that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now, and I think this is why the numbers, and it's not, VMware 
is not the only one to notice this. Microsoft with its build conference and Amazon with its conferences all had bigger numbers and had more gender diversity and more racial diversity and more um, uh, more people from more places, more diversity in terms of places. Because now all of a sudden a poor kid in Mumbai could go to a conference because there wasn't much cost involved in it. Right. And so that, I'm, I'm that super really interested opened it up to a lot of people. Yeah. So, so, so there's a, a few things I'd like to sort of unpack. So, so if we think back to the, the benefits of inclusivity um, through these sort of virtual environments, the disability community really adopted and invested in, you know, early versions of this through Second Life. You know, there, there was a big yeah. disability community in Second Life. Uh, I yes. think, you know, again, we're going to have a big disability community in, in virtual worlds because you can uh, do more stuff. On on yeah. the uh, on the other side of things, you know, with avatars at the moment, I have problems with them. So Antonio turned up to a, a, uh, a Teams call recently and put his avatar on. And, and after about 10 minutes, the, my brain just melted down because what happened was I wasn't able to read the social signals or I was misinterpreting the social signals that the avatar yeah. was trying to convey uh, because it wasn't quite accurate. So I wasn't sure whether he was bored with me, pissed off, or, or yeah. just mocking me. It's like, please, just turn it off. You know, I can't, yes. I, I can't actually cope. So, so there's still, I think, you know, some way for us to go before we can be comfortable yeah. in this world. But I, well, I, I absolutely I, see the potential. And, and avatars, we call this crossing the crossing the chasm. But there's there's a term I'm forgetting now, <laughs> where your your human mind, as things get closer to, as digital things get closer to being real, or real representations of them your mind starts noticing the flaws in that, right? And and this is certainly true with av avatars. And this is one reason why most avatars are... So the avatars today are cartoony mm -hmm. and there's not a 3D sensor on your face mm -hmm. to know where you're actually looking. So that they have a little AI that actually predicts where you're looking and makes your eyes look like you're looking at somebody or not looking at somebody, right? And it's listening to the microphone and making the mouth move, and it's not real, right? And and you're noticing all the problems with that. Um, when when we get glasses and the next versions of VR, there's going to be better eye sensors that are going to watch where you're looking, and going to be able to feed that back to the avatar. So the avatars are going to get better yeah. about. Uh, actually looking at where the human is looking at and we're getting face recognition uh, face sensors that are now looking at our faces if you get that you get a whole bunch of cool stuff uh, and, and you're starting to see improvements in avatars uh, there's many companies working on that it's just a matter of years before we get good good enough to to actually feel like you're with a another human and not notice all the flaws with them. Um, but for a while, there's going to be this gap. Yeah, so we're, we're in that uncanny valley. Where, where, 
That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Uncanny yeah. Valley where, where it just isn't good enough and it's cartoony. And as we try to get from cartoony land to real land, you know, you're going to notice more and more of the flaws on the, on these things. I think there's also the the issue of latency because latency plays a a, a, a it, big part in this as well. Um, it's 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 less late. The reason Alt Space VR is still pretty cartoony of a look, and and I'm playing with the new Facebook Horizon that's in beta test right now, and everything's cartoony. They do that because uh, the VR headsets that they're uh, aiming at are the uh, Oculus Quest, which has a, G- a small little mobile GPU in the headset itself. It, the GPU is what draws the polygons in the world, right? Mm-hmm. The game processing unit or graphic processing unit. And if if you have a big uh, gaming PC with an NVIDIA card in it, you have a big GPU, right? It can draw five times more polygons than the little one in the in the quest does but because we want to be inclusive and not exclusive right we don't build things just for the rich people who have the the nvidia card with a tether to the nvidia card we are building for the lighter weight um all-in-one headsets and so we're keeping the polygon count down in these virtual worlds. And if I started making your avatar really sharp with a lot of polygons and latency comes into this because if I have to draw a lot of polygons at, in the in the GPU, everything slows down. So now your world gets gets laggy, right? And, and you start noticing jitters or you notice that things don't work right. That's a real problem. So it all fits together. It, 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 it's, uh, it, we're in a, we're in the early days of this right now, right? And yeah. and we're just we we really need Moore's Law to flip three or four more times, you know, which is six years from now, before we can do really great stuff, right? But we're doing pretty good stuff with this little tiny GPU, and it's pretty amazing, right? Oh no, I'm I'm certainly really excited about the the potential. You know, you talked about the cost of you know going to conferences and stuff like this the, yeah. there's been a, a paradigm shift in in how we how we work which for a lot of people with disabilities again we you know we've been working from home for a long time and saying we need flexible working oh no that's not possible clearly it is you know the digital yeah. transformation has been driven more by covid-19 than the cios and ceos of the world <laughs> combined yeah um what what i i think has been a struggle, has been some of this stuff where we've rolled stuff out really quickly uh, and it's been inclusive for some, but, you know, we're looking at education. You're saying your kids are on Zoom, right? I can imagine the cognitive load for your son who is autistic is going to be really significant being on Zoom calls all day, you know? Yeah. So uh, and yeah. and so there's there's still more that we can we can learn about some of this stuff, but it doesn't mean that I'm not excited about it i'm very excited about it and i'm also excited about the idea that we might actually um use the sort of things like augmented reality to actually reduce cognitive overload um because you know as deborah and i both have adhd we are massively distractible and that 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 takes a toll on you right and and we're in a world where there's lots of distractions ever more so yeah um 
finding ways to sort of tune that out to to enable us to do stuff might actually be really enabling and at the same time yeah. feeding us pertinent information and and that's where you're you're talking about google uh assistant being really good because yeah. actually it it's very good at context based reminders so you know yeah. where, you know your where you're up to it knows what you're doing so long as you don't mind giving away your inside leg measurements, you know, it can be really useful to uh, yes. feed you those kind of pertinent things that you need to do. It's like, oh, you're here now. You need to go and take your pills or you need to do all of this stuff. So I think it's it's a, it's an exciting period. I mean, uh, before we get to glasses, what do you think are going to be the sort of the new and enabling features in in sort of mobile and wearables in the next year or so well we're, we're about to go into the release cycle right yeah we're just just about to get the lidar in the new yeah. phone so so the new phone on the back will have a, a 3d sensor that has three hundred thousand points of data and can see the world in 3d right and you can now start you'll start start seeing deve developers work that into their applications to do navigation in shopping malls. And I was talking to one company in Iran who's actually building uh, amazing things for stores and navigation around because they're getting much better 3D data uh, off of these phones. Um, and, and you're gonna see the, the beginnings of real augmented reality where you can have a virtual thing in your house on, on your, on your coffee table, right? And now you can start seeing different kinds of education. I'm, I I walked around a virus with a bunch of scientists in VR and it, because you're in 3D and the virus is blown up as big as a house, you can walk, walk around the chemical structures of the virus and really understand how the thing evolved and how, how a drug might attach to it or how a, a vaccine might break it apart or something like that. And you can learn a lot faster that way, right? So, oh man, it, it's endless. In my book, we we cover seven industries that are going to see radical change over the next uh, decade, right? From from uh, healthcare, we're seeing surgeons use HoloLenses during surgery to get guided to to understand where the tumors are and where their cutting tool is, and do that without being able to to see inside somebody's body because you're using very very small holes to put tools in to cut tumors out of people right and so uh, having a 3d representation in a hololens of where the cutting tool needs to be is really helpful to the surgeons um to to construction workers who are going to use this technology i talked to one guy at, at trimble who is using the boston dynamics dog to walk around a construction site, do you use a LIDAR to make a 3D image of that and then look for all sorts of things like planning out the next day's construction or looking for problems like uh, is, is there a, a, a bolt missing on a, on a beam that was supposed to be there, right? And they can do all sorts of things with their HoloLenses. Uh, that are different than a surgeon tests, right? And you, you can, we could talk for hours about yes. this with, you know, about different things that are happening. 
Yeah. That, I can't wait to read the yeah. book. So I just went to your site and saw the link. I'm going out there and I will be leaving a review. Always leave yeah. reviews on the books. It helps Please so do. much. It does. We have 4.7 stars on Amazon. It really does help. Uh, yes. Um, and 45 reviews already. Already 45 yeah. reviews. So he needs more. So yeah. I will, I'll make sure that I do it yeah. too. I appreciate it. Amazing but stuff. For, for, wow. for people like my son, this stuff is really going to be transformative. For blind people, it's going to be transformative. For people who are stuck in a wheelchair, like I have friends who, who can't move, right? They're, they're uh, paralyzed. This is huge because they can now participate. And nobody knows that they're yeah. stuck in a, in a wheelchair because they're just a, yet another avatar standing next to them, right? So now they don't get the social judgments that they might have gotten if they had to go to a real conference, right? Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting one because quite, quite so there's a, a really mixed view of, of avatars. And I know you've got to jump in a second, Deborah, because you've, you've got prior commitments. I, I'm so sorry. I, yeah. I, I do. Yeah, but, 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 but I could thank say you. you. Ever, yeah. ever. And I want you to be on my other show. So I'm going to send you an email. So okay. I'm going to, I'm real quick. Thank you so much for joining us today on Access Chat, Robert. Uh, no, we are already a, a little bit out of time. Uh, it was a very interesting conversation that we look forward to continue on the Twitter chat uh, on Tuesday. Uh, so I hope everyone that is listening to us can join us there. And I would like to say thank you to our uh, supporters, Microlink, MyClearTest, and Barclays, who have helped us over over the years uh, to to make this Twitter chat uh, a reality. Thank you, and take care.